Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes, welcome in. Ha, ha. Yes, yes, welcome in. Ha, ha. Yes, yep. Hey, you know, I was about to go right into to the weekend that was in football, Jackson. Especially right. those fighting Tigers. Mm-hmm. Top 25 now. And it reminds me, I was sitting at the game Saturday night at the Dome. And guess who comes up to me? Who's that? Slide tackling Tyler. Is that right? Oh, the guy who wanted to slide tackle me? <laughs> yeah. Glad I didn't get to meet him. Couldn't have been friendlier. I've, I've met a lot of friendly people at the game. Usually when I see people out and about, they're TMA listeners. Yeah. So now I'm meeting balloon party listeners. I got a couple piddles out there. Did you? Yeah. Walking through tailgates and through the concourse. Hey, piddles. Were they uh, like 25-year-old ladies? 25-year-old guys, a couple of them. How about that? Yeah, it was good to see younger people. What's it like to be a celebrity? Um, it's, you know, hello, everybody. It's kind of what I do. One gentleman wanted a selfie. That was nice. Did you did you oblige? Of course. I had to take care of the fans, did baby. You, like did, giant you drama. The, did you go scissor gang? I can <laughs> see you doing that. No, no. I just wanted to make sure everyone knew. You know, it's it's about the Tigers today. So I only do it on uh, breaks in the game. Oh, you know, because you're so locked into the affair? During the action, I prefer uh, to stay locked in. Uh, welcome to Balloon Party. It's driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acker, and Alton Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. That is Action Jackson. A lot of people around town, though, ask for selfies and call them piddles. And you can text in about this program and the weekend that was or the week that is to come at 314-399-9646. It's the Air Comfort Service text line. That is how you can text into the program and uh, watch the show on 101 ESPN's YouTube channel and see what's doing. See the wearers. What are you wearing? I'm wearing a war gerbil hoodie, which is the unofficial war cry of these 23 ranked Missouri Tigers. Wow. War gerbil is? Well, you know. Auburn's got War Eagle. Hale State's got the Cowbells. Bama's got Roll Tide. Missouri's got War Gerbil. Right. And I think people know that. It's going to catch on. Uh, So uh, you can get those at tmastlshop.com, just like my black and gold St. Louis shirt. So there that is. Oh, boy. That thing is a a stunner right there. Yeah, no. It's it's mainly because of my chest and my (laughs) erect nipples. 314-399-9646. Air Comfort Service text line. Leave a mic drop if you would like. Uh, You know what? I have a feeling I'm just going to go off on tangents, and then then I'm going to say, oh, Jackson, it's time for a little Piddles Angry Beaver Weekend wrap-up. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the script and say, why don't you weekend wrap up me with Angry Beaver, and then if I go on a tangent, I go on a tangent. This show is essentially a tangent, whether it be from the audience or from one of the hosts. Sure, I think I got some tangent worthy questions possibly oh. on this uh, little piddles weekend wrap up brought to you by Angry Beaver. Mention piddles for five dollars off any pizza. Missouri was able to take command of the dome and get a victory over Memphis and remain undefeated. Twenty three ranked team in the country. Go. Tigers beat Commodores. Go Tigers beat Commodores. Go fight win. Tigers. Do you think so far we have seen a lot of progress over the past few years to now give you more confidence that Coach Eli Drinkwitz can be the coach that guides the Tigers to the next level? Um, 
I don't know necessarily on drink. I just feel like the program. But here's the thing. Let me take a step back. So, all right, it's over now. Here's the first segment. It's already Any, over. Anytime you say, let's take a step back. <laughs> you know it's on. You know you can just shut it down and start watching Dennis Gate. It's Whiteboard Wednesday is coming up in two days. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh the Missouri fan relationship with Eli Drinkwitz is one, if you could like chart on a graph, like approval ratings. Yeah. And I have always kind of been on the opposite side of where the hardcore Missouri fan is on. It. Like they loved him right when he was hired. Oh yeah. And I'm going, okay, but if he was so great, why was he not the initial recommendation? And why did you know he not have a bunch of schools coming after him? I'm not saying that because I'm not high on him. I'm just, but then that became, oh, you're a hater. And I go, but that's that's just a, it's a question. It's just a question, Tim. And then they beat LSU, and I'm going, but LSU's garbage this year. Kind of like TCU's kind of garbage this year. I realized they were national champions the year before. TCU was in the national championship game the year before. But I'm like, this isn't, this isn't Joe Burrow and no. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. No. Well, you're a hater. I'm going, but that, these are facts. And then last year, I'm going... Okay. They were in it against Georgia. The Auburn thing is as close as I can recall to a game that should have been one that wasn't, going back to 1985 and the Cardinals and Royals. Yeah. In two different spots, Mevis missing a 20-yarder and Pete dropping the ball out of bounds. and lose. In addition to that, they were right there, like I said, uh, against Georgia, and you had the bizarro punt thing against Kentucky. Yeah. Now, I realize they could have lost to Vanderbilt, could have lost to Arkansas, but the point being, they were making progress. But what were the Missouri fans saying at that time? I don't think Drinkwitz is the guy, and I'm going, but the program's making progress. So that's how you have to look at it on college football. It's making progress. And then, as it turns out, Brady Cook was playing with a torn effing shoulder labrum and his throwing arm. And you'd have to think Luther Burden would be better than his freshman year. By the way, I never thought it would be this good. So I'm like, I think it's making progress. And then... But but now now I'm up here. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm up here. Okay, this is the graph. I'm up here, mm-hmm. and the Missouri fans are down on him now. And then you have the Middle Tennessee game. Understandably, that's when we're 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 in lockstep. Going, oh, this is a little weird. Yeah, what in the hell is going on here? This is a problem. But then all the money was on Missouri against Kansas State. And then they beat Kansas State. But even if they would have lost that game, I would have been in a weird spot. Going, clearly they have improved. Then the money was on Memphis, and I'm going, oh boy, yeah, now we is. got a problem. Right. And while it depends on what the spread was that you got, because it kicked off, I don't know what it kicked off at, actually, I didn't bet it. Do you know what it kicked off at? Six and a half. Did it kick off at six and a half? Also, if you bet Missouri, you covered. But it, I think it started at seven and a half, and then it went down to five and a half, and then it went back up to six and a half. Point being, it depends on what time you bet it. If you did bet it one way or the other, who you got, and what, what, what you bet. Then I'm going, oh, this could this scares me. But I loved what he did right out of the gate with the onside's kick. I loved that. Agreed. The result would say it didn't work because there was an offsides penalty against Missouri, but I loved that aggression. You have to be aggressive. So here is where, after all of that long-windedness, I come in. The team is better. The team has improved. And that's what a program is about, which is why I get frustrated. And this goes on in college sports, not limited to Missouri or Illinois or St. Louis University. People go, you got to fire the guy. You can have a bad break take place and then go, well, that's not necessarily because of the coach. 
Now, the delay of the game situation against K-State, that's coaching. Yep. Marcus Freeman having 10 players on the field at the end against Ohio State, that's coaching. Yeah. Twice! That's coaching. That's coaching. But Missouri is in, from my standpoint, the ideal spot if you are any coach, but in this case you asked about Eli Drinkwitz. You're 4-0, and yet you clearly have a lot of things you need to improve if you're going to build on this to have a great season. And by Missouri standards, a great season is a lot different than what the expectations were in Athens, Tuscaloosa, Baton Rouge, Clemson, right. I suppose this year, Tallahassee, Columbus, Ann Arbor, maybe the Coliseum with USC, depending on wherever you are, probably Jimbo Fisher and College Station. The expectations and what makes a great season is different. So now what you have at the end of September for the first time in a decade is an undefeated team with hope. And I think when you take a step back on college football, all you want to have is hope when you wake up on Sunday morning. Even if it's delusional, because when it's all said and done, only one team gets to be the national champion. But you want to have the belief that you got a shot to have a great year. And again, a great year for Missouri is different than a great year for other places. And now Missouri, I would say 85% of the time they win at Vanderbilt. Do I expect them to win at Vanderbilt? Yes, but of course things can happen. Sure. So 85% chance that you do now get that undefeated team hosting LSU. And we'll find out. At least we're supposed to find out at noon today what time that game will be. I personally think if I had to bet it, my bet is that the networks will exercise the six-day option and wait to see what happens with Missouri Vanderbilt, LSU at Ole Miss, Alabama at Mississippi State, Kentucky hosting Florida. Uh, what else have I left out? A&M is playing Arkansas and Fayetteville yeah. to see what happens this weekend and then determine Georgia's at Auburn and then determine what they want to do with the, the schedule. That's what I would do because what may look like the obvious game could change if a team loses. Yep. So with that said, I think it's better for the program for Missouri to have a night game or a 2.30 game because then that leads to more people wanting to go down there and tailgate as opposed to an 11 o'clock game. And if you can get the 2.30 game or a night game, it leads to more eyeballs. And maybe, not saying it's likely at all, but maybe get college game day there. If LSU wins in Oxford and Missouri's undefeated, maybe. I still would say at this moment it's going to be Texas, Oklahoma, and Dallas at the Cotton Bowl for the final Big 12 matchup of the Red River Shootout. With that all said... Eli Drinkwitz and his hire of Kirby Moore, uh, Luther Burden, and Brady Cook playing way above I could have ever seen him play, uh, have people who normally don't talk Missouri football talking Missouri football, in part because the Blues haven't started up yet, unless you're into preseason hockey, and what a twin bill it was this weekend against the Coyotes. The Cardinals are irrelevant. And you now have attention, just like we've talked about for City. Those two sets of circumstances, City playing incredibly well. They get a great comeback win on Saturday night against Minnesota. And Missouri being undefeated, they get a share of the St. Louis sports spotlight with this game taking place in St. Louis. And it's a great thing for both those teams, both uh, City and Missouri. But Missouri is about building a program, and this is what you need to build the program wins and people having hope and you get an undefeated team against LSU and Columbia ideally 
with LSU being a top 10 team, which is possible if they win in Oxford this weekend, and you get a good game time and a beautiful set of circumstances with the weather and the game time, and people go, man, this was super fun. We got to do this more often. When's the next time they play? Well, South Carolina in two weeks at homecoming. Sweet. What about after that? Well, then Tennessee comes to town, followed by Florida. And then it becomes something that people start paying attention to because the atmosphere becomes bigger than the game. Kind of like what happened for the Battle Hawks. That's how you build a program. You got to win. And they've been winning, but then it becomes more about the atmosphere in addition to what they're doing on the football field. So what's going on is super exciting. I wouldn't say it's really all that surprising. I mean, if they if they were anything less than three and one through four games, you would have gone, oh, God, what's going on? Correct. Yeah. But uh, what's I'll say what is surprising. Brady Cook's performance. Big time. Negative surprising, the defense, but the secondary has three of their top five uh, defensive backs injured. Uh, and Luther Burden is a Heisman candidate. Yeah. Probably nobody would believe that nationally, but nobody's better yards after the catch right now. And if he can do that on a Saturday afternoon against LSU or a Saturday night against LSU, and then follows that up and does it against Kentucky and South Carolina, and who knows? You Then you get into a spot where you could have a huge game against Georgia and Athens, and he has that kind of game. All of a sudden, people, and it sounds like a joke right now, and I get that, uh, but it sounded like a joke in 2007 if you were talking like this. But all you want to have is hope, because that's what gets people talking, and that's what you've got right now, heading into uh, late September in a game against Vanderbilt. Yep. I think when I asked the question, have you seen progress, I wouldn't go you know, jump out the gym and say the drink has progressed this team like crazy. But at the moment, he has put them in a position to get that progress going. But the progress began last year. And that's the thing, you know, I often say, I I think the world of Gabe Diarman, he's not with us. God bless him. He's at the Ryder Cup this week, so he won't be with us. Um, I dis, I, he sees it through wins and losses and I get that. And when it's all said and done, that's what matters. But if Missouri went six and six this year, but they only beat, you know, Memphis and South Dakota and Vanderbilt and uh, Middle Tennessee and a down taker pick of Arkansas or whomever. And then they got blown off the field by K-State and blown off the field by LSU and blown off the field by Georgia. And you go, okay, they went six and six, but God, they clearly took a step back. You can tell whether or not a team belongs. They may have been fortunate to beat K-State. I'm sure K-State feels like they could have won it. Missouri obviously did win it. I look at the Memphis game and I go, that's a fight that Missouri should have won by way more than they did, mm-hmm. but they wound up winning it by seven. Yeah. So, so be it. Right. Um, but that's the deal. If you're Eli Drinkwitz, you can go, Hey, we're four and zero, but we're not four and zero beating the hell out of people. So that allows your team to stay focused and you can continue to point to things. Hey, third down is a problem for this team. Hey boys, we're beat up in the secondary. We can't take anybody for granted. And they didn't with Memphis. I don't think they took them for granted. No. Just think they're in a spot that they're in with health. Uh, but God, if you can keep Luther, Luther Burden healthy and get the third down situation right, it really could wind up being a special year. And as a football fan, that's all you want. As a college football fan, you want to believe in that which you thought was highly unlikely at the beginning of the year. And that is a, a special season like 2007 and 2013. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. Air Comfort Service. Text line Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party.
Martin, driven by Mungan Ass, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota here on 101 ESPN and on YouTube, the 101 ESPN channel on YouTube. Come on in and, you know, talk it over. They're talking it over in there. Somebody just said Circa is so sick. It is. That stadium swim is no joke. We've both been there. Yeah, it's really Jackson cool. was just there with his shirt off, too. And pineapple swim trunks? That's right. Yep. It's kind of, you know. Sounds welcoming. It's giving some people the visuals. Todd, you should wear those pants in tomorrow. Now that we're back on YouTube. Well, no. Swim trunks outside of a pool area. You don't like that move? It's tough. Is it tough? It's tough. It's easy to wear non-swim trunks into a pool, but wearing swim trunks outside of a pool setting is kind of uh, difficult. Tough. Yeah, tough. Tough. With the uh, right out of the back of your throat. I didn't want to steal your thunder, so I just, you know, let's go right into this Little Piddles Angry Beaver Weekend wrap-up, and then if there's something that we don't cover, I'll go, oh, now I can go ranting about that. What is question two? Uh, question two is about the kickoff time for the LSU game. That's kind of something I was, uh, I was wondering about. I am so into this. But I also recognize, I, I oftentimes say on this program, I love golf, but I recognize I love it more than the vast majority of people in the audience, so therefore I don't talk about it much on this particular program. I would say maybe 3% of the audience cares about the LSU kickoff time. Well, maybe because they're just not you know, up on game yet, and that's kind of our duty is to, is to inform oh my and gosh. entertain the So you say chicken egg, chicken or egg. Sure, sure. So I'll, I'll, ask, I'll pose the question. I pose your query. I shall do my best to answer. Not looking past Vandy and Nashville this upcoming weekend, but asking you about the kickoff time for Mizzou and LSU. Do you think they will use their six-day flex policy yes. to figure out the best time for these games on SEC schedule? We will find out the answer at noon for the yeah. record. Yeah. Which game time do you think will be best for the program. Not necessarily best for you personally, but best oh, yeah, for I the don't. program. Uh, God. Probably 2.30. You like, I, I, but you, see, you want the night game, so you got to separate because you're looking at me like... You, no, you I know. no, I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking back to the biggest wins in Missouri history over the past 20 years, for, let's say. They were all night games. They were all night games. And I understand. I, and I think there's something to that. But when did they win at 2.30? When did they play at 2.30, and when did they win at 2.30? When they beat Georgia between the hedges, it was certainly a day game, but it might have been 11 a.m. I think it was an 11 o'clock game. I think game. it was, too. Um, that's the only day game I can think of in the past that's been like a big victory. Obviously, LSU, but that was so I mean, COVID. KU, Missouri, 2007. Missouri, Oklahoma, 2010. Missouri, A&M. 2013, yeah. 13. Missouri, Arkansas, 14. Uh, the other one that Gabe references is the one that you just brought up, Missouri, Georgia, and 13. But that was in Athens, and that was, I'm pretty sure that was an 11 o'clock start. I, but we, those are good for the visiting team. That's my premise. They are. They're very good for the visiting team. And also, Athens' situation is different than Columbia's. Athens is what? High side hour from Atlanta? Right. You know, you're talking about a couple of hours and an 11 o'clock start. And it, this isn't about, it, it's what puts you in the biggest light and gets people to come to the game. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things are out of your control, but the biggest games Missouri's had when the team's competitive recently over the last decade for a non-Arkansas Friday afternoon game after Thanksgiving have been 11 o'clock games. You know, I mean, you can talk about Georgia, but I mean, by the time Georgia came there last year, they already had lost to Auburn and Kentucky yeah. and Kansas State, I think. Or no, they hadn't lost to Kansas State or Kentucky, they had lost to Kansas State and all. Right. So the excitement level, I mean, you're already a two-loss team at that time. It would be, 
it just don't be 11 o'clock and I'm right. happy. Right. I think the best time for the program in terms of eyeballs on the game would be 2.30. I think in terms of the energy in the in the stadium, I think the 6 p.m. is a little more. I think there's going to be a great right, energy. Let me pose this way. question to you, and I know you don't have the answer, so it's not fair, but maybe like a buck swope of balloon party is listening who can give us the answer. When is the last time Missouri, and honestly, I don't know when it would be, I can't even think of it, and I've got a very odd memory, as you know, when Missouri hosted a 2.30 p.m. game. Ooh. Yeah. Boy, that's a good question. So it's tough to compare it if it hasn't happened. Plenty of 3 p.m.s, uh, but 2.30, not so much. Yeah, I, don't, I, I really can't think of one. Certainly not, nothing of note, like nothing that would have... I don't know. Because that is the, that's the premier. That is the premier. That is usually reserved for one of three programs right. in the SEC. Right. Bam, it's, George LSU. Yeah. It, it, very rarely do they go, oh, big game in Lexington between the Gamecocks and Wildcats. <laughs> let's, let's turn it over to Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson. And Gary Danielson probably would just go, I'm not coming to this one. <laughs> that's kind of the attitude he would have. Uh, for reference, that Georgia game in Athens that Missouri won was an 11 o'clock game. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, the, Do we have a 2.30 Missouri hosting in the SEC ever? Um, they uh, That same year in 2013, they hosted Toledo at 2.30. But that was <laughs> on ESPNU. My that wasn't a Vern Lundquist affair. That was an ESPNU affair. Right. I think I was on the call of that. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of one in recent memory, but they've never been in the position, really, over the past I, 10 years. Texted, the one I was actually thinking was Alabama in 2012. I was actually thinking that. That was like and the first year. That was the first year of the SEC, I think it right? was. And I think the SEC had a buy in for every other school outside of Missouri and Alabama because Eddie Lacy just. Oh, and then right. I remember there was like yeah. a video of the huddle and they're screaming about, let's get out of this, you know, mother effing, you know, asshole of a stadium. Yeah, that was rough. Like, yeah, ooh, I remember. Not an that. endorsement for O'Field. Boys yeah. from Tuscaloosa are used to better facilities. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, try the dome. Listen, I'd be very open. I'd like, because you think logistically through a 2 30 game, people from St. Louis could travel at all day long, 9 a.m. Yeah, so then you can have 11. a little pony for three or four hours. Yeah, whereas if it's an 11 a.m. game, it's going to be tough to wrangle up. Thank the, you to Jim kids. Wheeler in the YouTube chat. Played Bama in 2012, first SEC. Oh, that wasn't the first SEC game. The one against Georgia was. Grown yeah, man right. football. That was a tough schedule in the first year. They said, you want to come to the SEC, you got to take this rough yeah. schedule to start. There you go. But, yeah, I, I think 11 a.m., like, it's tough to wrangle up the kids or, you know, even if it's just, like, a couple or a single person. 2.30 or 6 or 7 p.m. That's what I'm looking for. I would agree, and I hope that they use because. Scheduling it right now, I think, is short-sighted because so much can change. In well, in particular this weekend. The other two games that would be in the mix are Texas A&M and Alabama and Kentucky and, uh, Kentucky and Georgia, excuse me. And they're both in the big boys' houses. Yeah. Georgia's hosting. They're a 24.5-point favorite right now if you look ahead to the line. So it's not really that attractive, but it's Georgia. Yeah. Georgia's got to go to Auburn this weekend. Kentucky hosts Florida. Yeah. I'd say Georgia wins at Auburn 90% of the time. I might even go higher. Yeah. I think I'm just not, so, I'm just not are you short on Georgia or I'm higher not short on, Auburn? on Georgia. I just think it's it's like what Brian Kelly said, which if Missouri's undefeated and they're one loss and that becomes a huge game, it'll get brought up. He did a preseason interview, he goes, I mean, look at Georgia. You gotta go into a place like Columbia, Missouri and play an SE game, as in crappy game, right. and still win. And even though I totally get what he was saying, Agreed. you can turn that into yeah. kind of like how you know Ryan Day turned his attention to Lou Holtz immediately after be Ohio up, State uh, beat Notre Dame and yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, what's the guy at Washington State? Uh, uh, turned Jake his attention Dicker. on Lou. Hol- yeah, Jake Dicker turned his attention on Lee Corso. Both these men have been in bed for six hours, and they wake up and they go, "Hell, we're motivating football teams." Yeah, that's coming. That's up what's in the going on. Weekend wrap up. I got a question. Oh, it's in there. I got a question about what's going on there. But so yeah, Kentucky right. and Georgia and A and M and uh, Alabama are the competition for Missouri and LSU. Night game or two thirty? Yeah, that's just a, don't don't eleven o'clock me. Uh, if you said Tim, you got to bet. What for you is a, 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 something you wouldn't bother to pick up. You dropped a hundred dollar bill. Not worth your time. No, wouldn't even turn around. But let's say it were our, your standard unit size of a hundred thousand dollars. Right. So I got to bet that. I would say, and I have four choices. My choices are the three time slots and also the six day window. I'm betting six day window. Would agree. I would also put my money there. If, I if had it's to... announced at 11 o'clock at noon, I will be in a dark place in 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. I really will be. Me too, because I'm, I'm going to the game. And, you know, it changes out. I'll have to drive down Friday night. We have the TMA Hidden Giggle on the Friday, October 6th. That's right. And so that's going to be a long day if I have to go drive to Columbia afterwards. I don't want to do that. I want to drive up on Saturday morning. I, I, and now, how about this? I didn't expect this. You know, I took my six-year-old to the game. Yep. And... Uh, I, I loved being there with my son. His first college football awesome. game. So that was that truly was awesome. It was louder than I ever expected. Oh, yeah. It had 45,000 people. The colonel was talking about 27,000 people. Yep. And I'm not saying he was making it up. I'm yeah. sure that's what he was told. But mm-hmm. then it wound up being. They got a lot of uh, sales after the K-State win. And he had an early morning skate at Centene uh, the following morning, both on Saturday and Sunday. And so... I'm like, I can't have him out until 11 and then get home and, and traffic be responsible. So uh, we left at halftime and he said, Dad, next time they play at the Dome, can we stay for the whole game? And I said, son, come here. <laughs> <laughs> next time they play at the Dome, yeah. either the Dome will be six feet under or I'll be six feet under. <laughs> One of us is going to have to go. <laughs> so you take your boy. <laughs> yeah, right. You take your son. <laughs> and you remember him the first half of the Memphis game. Yep. Because I don't think I don't think it's going to be a return engagement. I did think it was interesting, and I didn't see this article until yesterday. It was in the Post-Dispatch that they initially talked with uh, Bush Stadium about putting that game there. Yeah, it would have made sense given oh. the time of year because it'd still be warm. and That turf that they played on on Saturday night, I truly believe it was the same turf that Jameis Winston was playing on in 2015 for the final St. Louis Rams home game. Yeah, I can't and imagine. I don't know why it wouldn't be. Right. Like some people are going, why wouldn't they put new turf? Well, for what reason? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we all love money? the Battle Hawks. Okay. Yeah. I understand it. But also, if we can just be honest with it, if we can, and unfortunately, this program is called Honesty and Media, yeah, which then leads me to be the enemy of the people, even though I'm a, a kid from a hardworking family in South St. Louis that loves communities and education. That the XFL isn't the NFL. All due respect. I say that with all due respect. And so therefore, I don't know how much sense it would make for the flush with cash city of St. Louis to say, hey, why don't we spend some money on new turf for the Battle Hawks games and the first time in 13 years that Missouri hosts Memphis as far as an allocation of funds. Now, you might say, well, the city of St. Louis and their allocation of funds has a lot that they can answer questions for. And I would agree with you wholeheartedly. 
However, mm-hmm. if the line item came across X number of millions of dollars for refurbishing the dome's turf, I don't know how that would play. Don't think it would play well, Tim. So it was fun to see two different yardage markers. I'm like, oh, there's the 30. And then right below it, there's the 30 as well. There was like a like a Tupac hologram from Coachella yeah. of the 30. And then like five yards below it, there was another 30. It's called 3D, Tim. 3D is what it was. the times. But still, the atmosphere, a bunch of Missouri fans there tailgating. Oh, yeah, I was at that. The atmosphere, it was loud in that building. Oh, yeah, when that, the first, when the onside kick was recovered, obviously taken back, but I thought the place was going bananas when they recovered that onside kick. That people were fired up. Loved it, too. Uh, All right, uh, we have more from the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up. It's brought to you by Angry Beaver. Your thoughts are always welcome. 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest-growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to McCurgan Action Jackson with you. This is 101 ESPN, and we're on YouTube, the 101 ESPN channel on YouTube. And uh, you're welcome to participate in the program by texting in Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. Miss anything? Go back and podcast Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast here on Balloon Party. Jackson, you are handling this Little Piddles Angry Beaver Weekend wrap-up flawlessly. From my standpoint, it's Thanks, flawless. Uh, what, uh, what is your third question? Sure. Uh, what's the deal with coaches looking for bulletin board material and making things personal? It's bordering on WWE. Do we have ethics. some of the sound? Oh, we got plenty of. Wow. It, okay. So what are we going? With? Are we going with Lou Holtz. First? Let's start off with Lou Holtz comments. This is Lou Holtz appearing on Pat McAfee's show. Uh, Lou Holtz, for the record, eighty-six years old and uh, Notre Dame legend, and he was appearing on a radio program. Uh, here is what he had to say: Notre Dame is a better football team than Ohio State. Love hearing that. Please and let me tell you why. We have the best offensive line in the country. Sam Hartman won't even get his jersey dirty all year. He has time to throw the football. The offensive line, we have great running back. Esteem is averaging about 10 yards a carry. We have great receivers. So offensively, we're set. Defensively, our defensive line's better. And you look at Coach Day, and I coached at Ohio State under Woody Hayes. We won the national championship when I was there. So I'm proud of that. However, he has lost to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan twice. And everybody that beats him does so because they're more physical than Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame will take that same approach. Just tell Ohio State this. You, 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 you take this message to Ohio State. You tell them they better bring their lunch because it's going to be a full day of day's work. Hey, I love that. So that, 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 that's kind of the equivalent of like Norm Stewart or Gary Pinkle doing a, an interview yeah, on a show. And you go, okay, well, what else... What else is he going to say? Isaac Bruce saying he thinks Memphis is going right. to win. I didn't go, hold on a second. Where's <laughs> Isaac Bruce? <laughs> you know, so so 
Ohio State wins in stunning fashion at the end. I say stunning, not just because they scored a, a, a touchdown to win 17-14 with one second left on the clock in the fourth quarter, but because Marcus Freeman, the head coach of Notre Dame, had 10 players out there on defense for the final two plays. Yeah. And Ohio State just ran where a defensive lineman wasn't, and they scored a touchdown. I mean, that, can you imagine if that were Missouri and that were Eli Drinkwitz? Oh, my God. I mean, oh, my God. Poor Colonel. Colonel would go to Rome, but there wouldn't be a ladder cup. He'd just be hiding out like right. uh, Michael Corleone. Bingo. So uh, here is what Ryan Day had to say when Catherine Tappen caught him on the field on NBC right after the win for the Buckeyes. Like, I'd like to know where Lou Holtz is right now. <laughs> What he said about our team, what he said about our team, I cannot believe. This is a tough team right here. We're proud to be from Ohio, and it's always been Ohio against the world. And it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. That's honestly the vocal pattern I hear when I read a tweet in my mentions from a dog avatar. (laughs) Except that's the head coach of Ohio State going, wow, Lou Holtz, who was just like playing to the crowd. It's like Mankind, Mick Foley in WWE, he'd go cheap pop, you know, it's great to be here in St. Louis, Missouri. Right, toasted ravioli. The best, the best fans in baseball. It's this cheap pop thing. And Ryan Day is like, the first thing on his mind is 86-year-old Lou Holtz. (laughs) Lou Holtz had to be like, geez, I didn't know. I imagine... uh, I imagine Ryan Day with a, a dartboard with Lou Holtz's face on it at halftime. <laughs> like, man, if you want to focus on something to be upset about, what about that fourth and one jet sweep you called that didn't uh, work right. out? But digressing and all of the hatred that Lou Holtz is bringing, you know, he hasn't coached there in 30 years. Uh, Jake Dickert, that's the Washington State head coach. Now, don't play all 90 seconds of this thing. Uh, all right, well, I'm gonna, Don't worry about it. Okay. He, he goes off on Lee Corso after Washington State beats Oregon State. And I'm going, I mean, Lee Corso's right there with Lou Holtz. Right. You know, that was the first thing on his mind. Now, I have to say, Jake Dickert laid it out sounding like, you know, he was more balanced right. than Ryan Day. And his issue was, he was saying it was the Who Cares Bowl or something like that. But I think, if we're being honest, Oregon State and Washington State, even though it was a showdown of two top 25 teams, it wasn't necessarily a game that the country had circled. It was probably like 8th, ninth, 10th on the list. Yeah. Hey, I would love to see Washington State force the hand of college football and a team that doesn't have a conference next year be in the college oh, football playoff. Would that be? I would love it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I would absolutely love it. Um, but where is your question going? The bulletin board material thing? Yeah, like why, why do you think now more so than ever? Because we saw it last year with Kirby Smart. Uh, even So Kirby Smart last year, for those who aren't familiar with, when they won the national championship and beat the living hell out of TCU, he was talking about all these people had been doubting us all year. And I'm going, you've been number one from start to finish. Who's doubting you? Right. You know, did one guy on Twitter say something? I mean, who are these people? So your premise being creating. Yeah. And do you think there's like a slippery slope with that where you're listening to everything and uh, you mentioning Lou Holtz in your post game interview? So I brought this up on uh, on TMA this morning and I said, I don't know who started it. And a Georgia fan, guy who texts into our show, Alan Dadeville, which is a play on the great Harvey Updike and his fun with uh, the the tree at Auburn, if you recall that. That's the, that's what he called the Nepal Feinbaum show as Alan Dadeville oh, for really? history. I didn't nice. know nice. So uh, he said he thinks Nick Saban started it and Kirby Smart was on Nick Saban's staff. And so you just do this thing where you try to make it personal. 
And if I, th- I think what I think if I were to try to psychoanalyze the reason for like having to find an enemy. Yeah. I mean, Deion Sanders is doing it. Oh, yeah. Deion Sanders is doing it. Obviously, Dan Lanning did it this week, and Dan Lanning's the head coach at Oregon. Uh, and he said they're worried about clicks. You know, we're yeah. worried about what wins. Yeah. Uh, you gotta. You play twelve games, and one bad quarter can destroy all of the work for three hundred and sixty-four days of the year. Yeah. So you have to try to find a way to keep 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23-year-olds, and sometimes guys randomly in their 30s who come back, to keep their focus. And the way to do that, especially now, is to create an enemy Mm -hmm. and make it personal. It's a motivational tactic. We on the outside look at it and go, like when Eli Drinkwitz was going, and all the people who booed Brady Cook, and I'm going to talk to people who went to the game, and they go, I don't know, I didn't really hear it, but I guess you know he's not making it up. I'm not saying he was making it up. All I know is it wasn't loud enough for people to be aware of it until he really brought it up in the post game. It is a motivational tactic, and whatever you got to do, you got to do. I, the, the one that, to me, was the most asinine isn't Ryan Day and Lou Holtz. It was straight, certainly, as far as the delivery goes, uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, he was really mad at Lou Holtz. Was Kirby Smart saying, you know, everybody doubted us? And I'm going, but you've been number one all year. Who is doubting you? But, I, but I'm looking at it now, now that you see Dickert and Lee Corso and Day and Lou Holtz and Eli Drinkwitz and all the people booing Brady Cook before the K-State game, I'm going, it's a strategy. Right. You, got, you, you got to try to keep kids focused. It, the, one of the toughest things is not allowing to have the slip-up on the games where you're going, oh my God, this, is, this, this could end our season if we were to have a, you know, the Michigan-Appalachian State situation. Yeah. All your hopes go out the window in a game. So you got to try to fire them up and make sure that they're locked in. And I'm sure Kirby Smart's like, oh my God, we almost lost in Columbia, Missouri to a, you know, pedestrian Missouri team, Certainly, we got to find a way to keep these guys motivated. Yeah. I think it's easier to keep them motivated when you're playing K-State in front of a sold-out crowd. It's tougher to keep them motivated when you're going to Nashville and playing a Vanderbilt team that, you know, was down 21 nothing in the first quarter, first half against Kentucky this weekend. So that, I think, is the reason for it. I mean, is it is it honest? I don't know if I necessarily, but I also don't know if it's necessary. Like, was Lou Holtz's reputation damaged? I'm sure Lou Holtz is probably amused by it. You know? <laughs> I mean, some... it's, it's honest. It's like watching WWE and guys yeah. cutting promos. Right. That's what I'm saying. And like, I'm, I'm sure Lou Holtz says, yeah, you're exactly right. But I, I, I do know for certain players that does, I often reference Chris Long's podcast, but he talks about in college. Whatever it took, it could be a local beat writer for the other school yes, saying some motivation. message board, some like tape that on the locker and that gets them going. Like that just works the for thing some that's players. Because I think it's been going on for a long time. The thing is different now is guys are talking about it afterwards. Sure. You know, sure. like Ryan Day to cite Lou Holtz right away. <laughs> yeah, immediately. I mean, holy crap, you know. I think the I think the reason why the Lou Holtz thing got him going is it wasn't about taking shots at his kids because he wasn't. He specifically said Ryan Day has lost, and then he listed yeah. and he said it's because of toughness. Yeah. So he really called out Ryan Day. Yeah. It's a but then different. he used it to you know, defend his program. When in reality, I think he didn't like the shot at himself. That's what I think that was. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with the final segment of Balloon Party on One One ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Presented by Mungadass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you for five more minutes. Jackson, maximize those five minutes. You do with them what you want. I really like this next question. Little Pills, here. Angry Beaver Weekend wrap-up. Yeah, I really am a fan of this one. So we've talked about the formula for gambling. You know, you fade the public, follow the money, that kind of thing. What are some of the reasons the public may be all over one game while sharp bettors are on the other side? Oh, that's easy for me. And I feel like if this were Steve Harvey's family feud, this would be the, the answer that that the sharp players would give the answer to. See if you think, what, what, what are you thinking? What do you think the answer is? Probably overvaluing or overreacting to one certain game or player being out. Um, if for reference, you know, the Colts were without Anthony Richardson, and so the number was a little bit bigger, and I think people were like, oh, Ravens at home, easy money. Obviously, the other side hit. Uh... I would say the answer is recency bias. Mm, okay. That's certainly another. I think that is the biggest thing. For example, n- 10 days ago, Missouri going into Kansas State. Oh, my God, they've got no choice. Now it's, man, Missouri might be able to be 8-0 going into Athens. Right. You know, I mean, it's right. it's just, Football's it swings. Yeah. And you just have to think, okay, what have you actually seen? Who is, I totally agree on the injury thing. But I think oftentimes quarterbacks, and they should, they they they, get, they, they have the the biggest impact of any of the the twenty two starters. Yeah. But they're not the only player. I'm I'm going to continue to hammer this. Missouri has lost a bunch of players. They're not household names. They're not Brady Cook. They're not Luther Burden. But that's a real thing. And you factor in weather sometimes. All I know is I Jackson and I talk about it, and so Jackson knows what my picks are before I even make them. Yeah, well, because yeah, I'm usually on the same game. Because you're doing the same thing. So I was on the Colts yesterday as well. I don't know who's playing. I mean, I knew Richardson wasn't because he's on my fantasy team. But the Ravens are missing seven defensive starters. I didn't know. All I did was, oh, the public is betting the Ravens and the money is on the Colts. That's easy. I shall bet the Colts. That's (laughs) what I do. Oh, the public is on the Jaguars. The money is on the Texans. Very easy. I shall bet the. Texans. However, what was the public on? The Miami Dolphins. Yep. And I was talking over with Matt Rocky. I said, I had money on the uh, Broncos yesterday. And he goes, oh my God, that was the easiest bet ever. But guess what? 67% of the easiest bets ever didn't cover. Yep. The Broncos was the one that was the easiest bet. that. I, so you hit 67%, you're profitable. I, I don't know how to explain it outside of I'm talking about for really a quarter of a century of a sample size on this. It, it's not absolute. There's no absolute. There are so many other factors, unless you really believe it's rigged. Mm-hmm. And if it's rigged, a lot of people are doing a great job keeping their mouths shut. Yeah. All I know is this is the way that it works. I think there's so much parity in the NFL. Occasionally, you'll have these one-off kind of teams. The Chiefs recently, and again yesterday, are a one-off as far as greatness goes. The Rams back in the day were a one-off as far as greatness goes. The Bears may be a one-off as far as being garbage goes. This year, you may have a one-off with the Dolphins. And by one-off, I mean it doesn't apply to them as far as the parity goes. The Dolphins and the Chiefs, I don't know if anybody else at this moment stands out no, to you that would no, be in that category. Not to that level. I mean, the Chiefs are 2-1, and one, but they also didn't have Travis Kelsey for the first loss. Right, the game they should have won anyways. That they're, they're over here, and, you know, as far as bad teams go, they're way over here. The Bears truly might yeah. be that. I mean, the Bears and the Broncos, and they happen to play each other this week. I mean, you want to talk about the nobody cares ball. In Chicago. Wow. I mean, when that gets going. So... That's my re- I, I just, I, but I think it's human nature. You yeah. recognize having done a show for twenty years, 
you recognize sometimes you're saying something and, and then people go, how can you say that? They just did this or, well, where are all the so-and-so haters now? And I'm going, well, that's fine, but let's look at the body of work because that's how you have to make judgment calls. If you want to make a judgment call based on a small sample size, you're probably going to lose more often than you win. If you want to do social media likes, well, then you can get your win there. But Jackson, I'm in the cash money business. Me and Nino Brown, Wesley Snipe, and that was 1991's New Jack City. Am I correct on that? And that 91 was good. For sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh wow. I thought you might. No, I love New Jack City. Okay. Good. Yeah. Have people over and watch it. I couldn't agree more. Okay. Do you have another question? Oh, it's 10:59. Yeah. Let's do another hour. All right. BK and Ferrari are up next. We got to go. That's just it. We got to go. Uh, in an hour from now, we find out the LSU game time. I don't think we will. Six I think six-day window. That's my money is. What do you want to bet? Make a bet. No, that's the... You're agree. on the six-day window, too, thing? Yeah, I think it would be... If you have that power, why not use it? I would agree. You get to do it two times a year, I believe, and they'll exercise it once right here, and that would be the smart thing to do. So, unfortunately, I think we'll have to wait a week or six days to find out. All right, time to go. BK and Ferrari are up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Mung and S. St. Louis Accurate. I'll tell you all. 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.